Blog Talk Radio. Upon a fan podcast of the season. I am your host, the Space Needle, and I am joined by my co host, the Once or Last Supper. I like it. So we have a lot to discuss, as you can imagine. Just want to let everybody know that the chat room is open. Um, might need to do a couple of page refreshes before I let you in there, but I see that Dana and Ray are already here for the show, so welcome. Welcome to everybody else who's listening, and uh, you know whether it's live or downloaded later on, we appreciate your support, and hopefully you enjoy our discussion this week. Uh, it's going to be a doozy. So because there's so much happening this week, um, and there's so much to get to, so much to unpack, not only with what happened on the show and discussing all of that, but also everything that's been in the news today, this week, you know, all of that jazz. Um, So we're going to kind of forego our normal format a little bit and kind of work the news bulletins into our discussion a little bit more just so that we can keep the conversation going and make sure that we hit all of our points because, you know, we want to make sure that we talk about everything in the two hours that we are allotted here for our show. So we're just going to go ahead and get on into this. So if you guys recall from the past couple of weeks, we've been asking you to send us uh, listener letters just to let us know what you, you know, how you feel about Once Upon a Time and its meaning to you, its importance to you, and so forth. Um, We've got quite a few letters, so we are going to be reading those today. Um, We're also going to be having um, one of our listeners call in, too, for the first time. I think that we'll be talking to her on the phone, perhaps. I believe it's the first time. So Ray, Raina, will be joining us later on, Ashley. Um, and I will make sure that I give you to call. If anybody else wants to call in, too, um, we don't necessarily have time. I know that sounds horrible, but um, somebody did ask if they could call in last minute. And just because, again, we have so much to unpack, um, I wouldn't want to have you come on and then have to, like, abruptly cut you off or something or just be totally rude. So before we even just step our toes into that mess, I think we would just be you know, better if we avoid it completely. Um, but we do appreciate everybody who did, you know, who asked if they could call in later on because I got a couple of messages about that. So there's that. Okay. So the first letter that we're going to read here is from – it's either Tomas or Thomas. And I'm really sorry I, if I said it wrong. I think it's Tomas because there's no H. Um. So, yeah, I'm just going to – we're going to get through these here, and then we'll um, continue on with the show. But I'm really excited to read these letters here because some of them are – well, actually, all of them are, are pretty good. All right. So it says, hi, guys. My name is Tomas, and I live in Belgium. Belgium. Thanks, Tomas. 
Uh, I, it, we feel so international. Like, you know, the podcast. It blows my mind. It does blow my um, mind that, like, folks not, like, a, around the world are listening to us do goofy voices and shout about fairy tales. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, um, I'll get into that, actually, in just a second here as we're talking about this. Maybe at the end of the show. Um, but we're going to come back to the topic of international listeners because we found out something yesterday that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, here we go. I was listening to your podcast like I do every week, and I heard you were looking for some fans to talk about with the end of season six for the end, excuse me, about what the end of six seasons of Once Upon a Time means for us for the finale podcast. Unfortunately, I won't be able to call in as this airs in the middle of the night here, so I'll just send my thoughts via email. I started watching the show a few years ago when I lived in Vancouver for a few months. My roommate actually introduced me to the show. It was a few weeks before season three started airing, and we binged a lot of the show on Netflix. I was hooked, pun intended, immediately. We finished season two before season three started airing, and from then on, I started watching the show every week. The show has been there for me throughout the years when life got tough. I love the wonderful characters and how different character storylines intertwine, as well as the writing, the beautiful cinematography, the score, and the fantastic cast. Throughout the years, I've been lucky enough to visit Steveston once and met some of the amazing cast at two conventions. Six seasons in, and I still love the show as much as the day I started watching it. I know a lot of people say the show isn't as good as it used to be, but I disagree. Every week, I look forward to a new episode, and the episodes are always one of the highlights of my week. The show is a very welcome distraction from life, whether I've had a good or a bad week. I'm very sad that the show might be coming to an end. I met some wonderful friends because of the show. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of these last episodes. And if it does end up being the final season, I'll always have the DVDs to rewatch tons of times. Um, quick thank you to Zach and Ashley for providing us with entertaining podcast episodes every week. Oh, you're welcome. Um, if there's a season seven renewal, I'll be looking forward to more episodes. Best wishes from Belgium. Um, thank you very much, Tomas. I really appreciate um, you sending in a letter. I appreciate sharing your your thoughts with us and your story, um, and what, especially what you enjoy about the show. Um, that's pretty much what I enjoy as well. Characters, the intertwining, cinematography, writing, the score, the cast, all of it. So, awesome. Um, Ashley, you have our next letter. Yes, I have a letter. Oh, my God, I closed down my email. Why? Uh, okay, I have a letter from Leanne. And let me open up. She had a quite a bit to say, so let me open this up in image. Okay. Leanne says, Once Upon a Time has been my happy place for about three or four years now. I have cried when Neil and Robin died. I have fallen in love with Captain Swan. I love each and every one of the cast, but Emma slash Jamo will probably be the one I hold in my heart the most. I started watching the show when I was 28. I have stuck with it through thick and thin. I have yet to actually meet anybody from the cast, but I can tell they all love the show and what they do. Sundays Sundays will just never be the same without it. Taking it away would be like taking a piece of my heart, but these stories and characters will always have a strong place in my heart. And also, finding out Leah and I share a birthday is just the icing on the cake. Nice pun. I will always treasure that. And thank you, Zach, Ashley, and Amy, for this podcast. I look forward to it every week. Oh, thank you. And sometimes after a long hiatus, I look forward to the return of the podcast more than the actual show. Strangely enough, I will miss the hiatuses and not knowing what will happen and theorizing. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Thanks. Um, that was very sweet. I appreciate you. Um, okay. So I have our next letter here as well. And 
see. No, I'm one feeling. Okay. <clears throat> My podcast letter by Dana Greenblatt. Wow. How can I describe the past six years of once? When I first heard about the show, I thought to myself, who the hell would watch a show about fairy tales? I thought the fairy tales were mostly just for kids. At some point during the year, I caught a few minutes of The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, and I thought the maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. During the summer, I caught the commercial for the returning fall shows, and when I saw Rumpel holding the race medallion, I decided then and there that I had to get on board this crazy train, so I binge-watched season one. I had enjoyed Jen Morrison on House, and Dr. Cameron was my favorite, so I figured let's see how the blonde version does on this show. I was hooked <laughs> even before <laughs> I was hooked even before Skin Deep. It wasn't until the end of season one when Belle remembered who she was and that she loved Grumple that I became a rumbeller, although Beauty and the Beast was cemented as my favorite fairy tale at that point. While Captain Swan and Snowing were always kind of a given for me, Rumbell's story really was a layered story. Belle's statement in Skin Deep that love is layered and a mystery love is layered and a mystery to be uncovered has permeated throughout the six seasons that we have watched their ups and downs. We've seen them shine, be heroes, and be tested and tempted only to fall flat on their faces. We've seen them lash out at each other in frustration and resort to tough love. We've seen them make promises to each other only to turn around and not just break them, but shatter them. They were the couple that seemed the most real to me. Yeah, the other ships had their ups and downs, but Rumbo was tested the most and in the end, in my opinion, had the best payoff. Last night, we saw Rumbell choose Belle and Gideon over his power. Well, quite frankly, over everything and everyone else. He finally completed, oh, excuse me, he finally completely trusted in Belle's love for him and was able to embrace being the savior, which is so weird that she didn't say the weird part. Um, Rumbell, <laughs> Rumpel finally accepted the answer to his own question, who could ever love me? Yeah, Emma let Gideon run through her through, but if it wasn't for Rumpel killing his mother and breaking the curse, all the others would have died in the Enchanted Forest, and the sword fight would have ended very differently. To see that we can debate this, to see them happy and reunited with their baby and realize together this is their happy beginning, got my heart beating faster. Seeing them in the shop, dancing to their song, with her wedding ring back on, gazing into each other's eyes with absolute love, and then moving in toward each other for the sweetest, best Rumpel kiss ever just killed me. It was the culmination of six years of angst and continuous heartbreak. This was, to me, the most Rumbell episode, the best Rumbell episode ever. To see Rumpel and Belle join the others at Granny's, and not just join them, but flat out be welcomed, was almost more than my heart could take. Regina's unspoken approbation of Rumpel's actions and acknowledgement of his temptations, trials, and his victory over them was just a look and a nod with sheer poetry. I told you there was a look, Ashley. Having followed Rumbell faithfully, it upsets me that Emily will not be a part of the regular cast. She became Belle. Whenever I go to Disney and see a drawing of Belle in the yellow dress, I see Emily, as does my seven-year-old nephew, who I brainwashed. <laughs> I understand that the direction that Adam and Eddie are taking the reboot has precluded this, but I hope a way can be found to invite her back for at least a couple of visits. She and Bobby have such a believable connection. I can't say enough about how amazing Bobby is. That man can say more with a single tortured expression than an entire page of dialogue. When, Bell, when Balefire died, when Rumpel was on the floor of the shop at the end of Operation Mongoose, when Belle was talking him out of speeding up her pregnancy, I could go on. When Rumpel was at his lowest, Bobby made us feel along with him. When Rumpel finally made the right choice and chose Belle over magic and was rewarded with his new start and happy beginning, Bobby's expression showed such inexpressible joy that it was impossible not to rejoice with him. We have been on a wild roller coaster for six years, and I am eagerly anticipating what Adam and Eddie will present us with this fall. There is a lot to debate in your letter, Dana, and I look forward to discussing these points on the podcast later on as we move along. Ashley, you have the next letter? I do. 
This one is from Nancy, and she writes, Dear Zach, Ashley, and Amy, I am a longtime listener and have truly enjoyed your podcast over the years since season two. I appreciate your dedication, hard work, and colorful perspectives you give each week. Thank you. While I wasn't able to listen live, I eagerly listened the next day. Big fan of Once Upon a Time and love that show believes in the power of love and hope. Your insight always kept me company. Your, oh, no, I messed it up. Your insight always kept me coming back for more. Thank you for t- the time and company, Nancy. Well, thank you for listening. Indeed. All right. So now we have our letter from Maggie. Um, Maggie's letter is next, Ray. Maggie's letter is next. So, okay. Here's what Maggie had to say. What has Once Upon a Time meant to me? Throughout the six years, it has varied. When the show first aired in 2011, one would say I was in the general audience category for the first two and a half seasons. I had just started my master's degree, and it was a way to escape into a fantasy world for an hour on Sundays. I loved the idea of taking the characters we knew growing up and putting a twist on their stories that gave them more depth than their Disney counterparts. So every Sunday I would watch, and as the Sunday was told, excuse me, and as the story was told, I found myself drawn to Regina's character and could really identify with her. By that, I mean her struggle with self-acceptance and self-loathing, not the murdering tendencies of the evil queen. Well, I Mm -hmm. hope so, Maggie. Um, Self-love and acceptance is something I have always struggled with myself. I hear you, sister. Feeling a connection with the show, I continued watching and once slowly became one of my favorite shows I look forward to every week. I even got one of my roommates into it. I thoroughly enjoyed the first two seasons watching the adventures of the Charmings, Rumpel, and Regina struggle with redemption in order to be better for her son which was still one of the favorite relationships to date. That's what I love about Once. Yes, it had the love stories, but it also centered stories. It also centered on stories of family and friendship. Amen, sister. As the third mm-hmm. season began, I found myself not as interested in the Peter Pan arc, except for a few episodes such as Safe Henry. I almost stopped watching, but then heard about the Wicked Witch arc, I always loved the Wizard of Oz, and decided to keep watching. Season three was where things started to shift for me from general audience to stepping into fandom due to the intro of one character and relationship, Robin Hood and Outlaw Queen. I always love the story of Robin Hood. I've watched Kevin Costner's movie on repeat, and who doesn't love Robin Hood men in tights? Serious Miss not having a Merry Men song in the musical. I know that's right, girl. We're men. We're men in tights. 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 Mm-hmm. Tights. I love Robin's character and how he wasn't afraid to stand toe-to-toe with Regina despite her reputation. He wasn't afraid of her. I love their snark, banter, and the tension between the two, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean. And then in Storybrooke, we got to see their relationship grow and start to fall in love. I was hooked, and here's why I fell in, I was hooked, and here's why I fell in love with Alcohol Queen so much. This goes, wow, this is, you're just pouring your heart out here. I'm in... You know I'm reading this on the show, right? Okay. This goes back to my issues with self-love, acceptance, and fear of rejection, which I have always struggled with. While most biggest fears are heights, being alone or spiders, mine is rejection. It's not just yours. Since the beginning, Regina has always struggled with self-love and looks for the acceptance of others. Look at her past. She was always looking for acceptance from her mother, from Rumpel, from the townspeople, from the king, even, and eventually her son. Once he forgave her, he became her biggest believer, but Robin always accepted her for who and what she was. I feel this was almost never wavered. He only ever wanted her to be happy within herself and life. The same could be said of Regina for Robin. She only ever accepted who he was as well and never wanted him to change. Wow, that is so true. 
This gave me hope in my own life that I would eventually find something similar. This couple actually gave cynical old me hope that I may too find romantic love in my life. Oh, and someone who looks at me for who I am. So I was hooked. Their story wasn't all this man or woman isn't my happy ending, but them being a part of my world with my family and friends are. I always love this message and continue to watch their story and others unfold. Despite the awful storyline of Zelina and the baby, we won't go there, I enjoyed watching how they handled it and choosing to fight together. It's odd to say, but internally I found the relationship to be one of the healthiest and adult. In a way, I wish we would have seen more internal struggle between the two and not so, much, so many external battles. I think Zach had talked about this in the past. As a matter of fact, I have. Then after five episodes into season five, I felt the writing took a giant shift but I continued to have hope for all the characters I had come to love, especially Regina and Robin. Then that hope felt like it was crushed when Robin was killed off, especially one that didn't make sense at all and still today doesn't. Robin was represented as Regina's second chance as soulmate. It didn't make sense. It seemed to me like the only reason it happened was because they didn't know how to handle the Zelina baby storyline or wanted to take the easy way out. This has always been a bit of disappointment because I think there was a lot of story left to tell for Alma Queen and Robin as an individual character as well. There's a fair point, and I agree with the end part, too. I continued to watch this past, this past fall, despite what happened, because I still love Regina's character and how Lana played her, and I loved watching the moment where she finally accepted herself for who she was, Regina and the Evil Queen. That gave me, me, yeah, that gave me a little of that hope I had lost back after Robin's death. Even though it's not the OG outlaw queen, it's somewhat comforting to know there's a version of Robin and Regina happy out there. It seems each half of Regina found their happy beginning in their own way. What always drove the queen seemed to be more romantic love. I mean, she did go after Snow for 30-something years because of it. And then there was the side of Regina who was driven by her family and friends. That is such a unique outlook on Regina, and we have never, ever discussed that. <sighs> Storybook Regina seems to have found her happiness within it, and that is all Robin ever wanted for her, whether he was a part of it or not. Oh, my God. Why aren't you hosting a podcast? Although I will always argue Robin should have been sitting next to her at that final dinner table. It will be difficult mm -hmm. to say goodbye to these characters that made me watch the show to begin with, like the love of Charming and Snow White, the friendship between Snow and Regina, and Regina and Emma, the badass Emma we finally saw again in the finale, and OG original Henry, but it seems like there's more story to tell, and I'm in for Granny Regina. We're not going there either. Um <laughs> But, yeah, so, okay. Um, lots of valid points there, too. I'm really glad that everybody took the time to write us a letter. Um, so, I'll tell you what. Now would be a really good time to talk to our friend Ray. And... There she is. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Ray, are you there? I am. Hi, everybody. Hello, my friend. It's so lovely to finally hear your voice in person. I know. It's just awesome. It's awesome. Hi, Ashley. Oh. Hello. Oh. The next step is to Manhattan. We can hang out. All right. Oh, please. So, real, so real quick here, uh, just because we don't have a whole lot of time even though I would love to talk to you forever. Um, what exactly does Once Upon a Time mean to you? You have the floor for a little bit. Oh, wow. Um, well, I remember when, wow, wait, six years ago. Jeez, time flies. Um, 
I remember when they first showed the promo of the show and it was, you know, all about fairy tale characters and Disney. So I was already hooked. You know, I'm a Disney fiend. Um, so I just thought, you know, let me, let me try this out. And the first episode, you know, Regina, Evil Queen walks through the door and I'm just like, yes, I'm here for it. Sign me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm with this. And then just overall through the last <laughs> season, up and down, regardless of, you know, where the story went, I was, you know, watching live or trying to watch live running home from the train, as you know, or you don't know, New York City MTA is trash. Um, so <laughs> I'm trying to get home at 8 o'clock on Sunday or going to Liz's house, Liz's house uh, to watch it and, you know, bugging out and going crazy, screaming at the TV about it. Um, but it definitely, the show has changed my life. Um Especially, you know, when my father passed away, um, I went into a really dark hole. Um, and I met some great friends, including you, Zach, and Ashley, Dana, Maggie, Liz, my friend Chloe, through the show. And, uh, and you know, getting to meet the cast and just falling in love and uh, holding on to friendships. And, you know, sometimes, and I, I hate to say it, but sometimes family, you know, can, can really hurt you. And I was able to find another family who mm. has been there for me. So uh, that's what this show has given me. Wow. That was so eloquent and so well put. I'm so – thank you very much for sharing that with us. Oh, absolutely. Very thank you for giving um, me the time. Of, of course. Um, I didn't realize that we had certain things in common uh, as much. So – um, I mean, I, I know we've talked about it privately, but yeah, it's a little different hearing it from your voice. So, okay. Um, yeah, I need to get to Manhattan. So, hopefully, it'll be dry when you're there. You won't be like in the rain. Yeah, and, and not freezing to death. No. Because you know, we, oh, well, I think Ashley can beat me on the uh, the cold, but you know, Windy City and all. But uh, we get a little cold over here. <laughs> it's, it's a little yeah. Tech cold. <laughs> all right. All right, Rainbow. I wish we could have you on. A little, I wish we could be on longer with you, but we just don't have enough time because I'm sure you know. So. <laughs> oh no! I, I'm telling you, I would have paid for the third hour. I'm telling you. Oh, girl. We need it. I love you. <laughs> I love you. That's why we got to get. That's why we got to get to this. All right. I love you so much. Alrighty. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so there we are. Okay. So nice to hear from everybody. It really was, um, because I really think that, especially, you know, to Ray's point, which is, you know, everybody else's point, too, really. Like, the, we, it's funny that the biggest, like, doesn't it give a little bit more weight to Snow's speech at the end, talking about how happiness is being together? Like, oh, completely. And, and you know, that was the final thing that they filmed because um, they filmed all this while the Vancouver convention was going on. And a bit after, this was the all-nighter that everyone was talking about where they filmed till dawn was out in the street with the hug and everything. That was this scene. So I have a feeling that those tears in Ginny's eyes were real. Yeah. Um yeah, it it really does. Because now I feel like because we're friends, we got the happy beginning 
two. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have a lot to discuss. Um, we have so much to discuss. So the first thing that I want to do is we need to get to certain talking points that aren't necessarily, well, how are we going to do this? <laughs> Where the hell do we start? Um, I really have no, like, we normally, have, like, we have a whole list of talking points, everybody, and we have news bulletins as well. Like, we have all of this organized the way that we normally do. But there is absolutely no way to talk about all of this without bringing literally everything else into it. I have no idea where to begin. Um, well, I kind of want to talk about some of the uh, the cast shakeup because we didn't like really talk about that. It, that that propped up last week late. This is true. We haven't discussed that. Well, th- that but see, that's tied into the end of the episode too, and the whole story. Um. I don't know. I still feel like it's kind of such a big thing that maybe we should address it now and then. Okay, we'll go with it. All right, so... Well, as I'm sure everyone has heard, um, quite a few cast members will not be returning for season seven. We already talked about how Jennifer Morrison opted to not return but then we also heard from various sources, including the actors themselves, on Thursday um, that Snow White, Prince Charming, Henry, Zelina, and Belle will not be back for season seven. Which, as you had mentioned, Zach, makes that ending, particularly those those last moments, very bittersweet. Um, I'm very conflicted about this just because the thing that's so difficult about us is that our inf- information has just trickled out. We haven't gotten everything in one set piece in like a trailer or uh, whatever. It's like we keep getting pieces of the puzzle, and as the picture gets clearer, it's it's still not a hundred percent there. So it's really hard to have a full opinion because I feel like you and Isaac have very differing opinions on a lot of things that we're about to talk about. Um. But I yep. just have to say that oh, I yeah. am. We know that you and I know that because we discussed it privately. But the uh, the listeners don't know that. So be prepared so for some debate, knows, listeners. You're about to hear a debate because we have two very differing opinions, and you might be a little surprised on where we fall on the sides of some issues. So here we go. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> go on, Ashley. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no, no, you're fine. I mean that that's fair because like most. No one's really privy to our pre-podcast, uh, uh, okay, this is what's up, phone call. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I have to say, like, it, it really, waking up and seeing Rebecca Mater's um, Instagram message that she won't be returning uh, because the show's going in a different direction before we had seen the finale. Like I now can sympathize more with how Zach felt in regards to Jennifer Morrison's message, because I don't think I realized how much Lena was probably my favorite character until that moment. And like, we, you know, we love Rebecca Mater here. Like, you know, once upon a fun podcast, it's wicked. Um, so, and I, you know very much that she loves the show. Like somebody recently reposted, and I saw this live in New Jersey. She got 
kind of misty talking. Somebody had asked her a question. I don't remember the exact question, but it was like, how does it feel like basically to be a part of all this, to have like this influence? And she, she started crying. She's like, it's really weird. Like to be, you know, I, I can't quote it verbatim. It's very emotional to see her get so emotional. So to know that Lena won't be a part of the next chapter is a bit disappointing for me and kind of, took a little of the fire out of my enthusiasm and interest. Now I'm not writing things off completely, but uh, you know, it, it, I felt like there was more story to be told there. So that kind of chaps me and, and uh, in a way, and the same thing with Emily and bell, like she also made a goodbye Instagram message and for the same reason. And I guess that's where my, I maybe, you know, jumping really far ahead, but I just feel like, I'm so, I was very satisfied with this episode and it being the end, period, even with the bit of a a tease for what's to come next. Like, I felt like that would have been a good, like, and the story goes on kind of thing. I, knowing so much of the main cast will be leaving and so many characters that are foils to other characters that are staying, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around the, what's coming next. I um, just, I mean, because we've, you know, having Regina without Zelina now, like I can't imagine it, or having Rumpel without Belle now, like no, and, and, and having Jared as Henry, like he built this character, you know, from a young actor like he grew into his craft I think and he has some comedic chops that I don't think anybody knew were there until he got to you know really use them and I just I guess maybe it's greedy of me but I would have liked to see more of all that I don't like change basically (laughs) so change I mean I've kind of mitigated my fire for this I guess change in a way is good you don't want things to stay the same always but at the same time the hearing these departures like the crux I feel like for me of this show has always been the cast and the relationships they have both built in the show in the characters and outside the show so it's just going to be hard for me to wrap my mind around a once upon a time that doesn't include all that have I gone too off the mark there Zach or what are you how are you feeling (laughs) Have we come to this now? Are we doing this now? All right. Okay. Guys, I have to I give you a little go- bit of a perspective here. Um, I was we can go whole hog if you wanted because I also have other thoughts, but as well you know. I do. Um, I feel like we now is just the time because we just we don't have the time. So We've got to get into it. All right. We're here's what actually what I'm gonna do. We asked a poll on Twitter. We ran a poll on Twitter. Um, asking a couple questions recently. And here's what I asked. I said, Emma Snow, Charming, Henry Bell, and Zelina are leaving once upon a time. No. And the options that I gave were I'm done. I'll still watch or need to see the finale first. 41% of you said that you needed to see the finale first. 33% of you said you would still watch. 27% of you said you were done. 
The other question I asked was, now that you've seen, was, and this was, mind you, this was on Saturday. That was when I asked that question. So yesterday I asked, now that you've seen the finale, are you excited about season seven? Forty-eight percent of you said absolutely. Twenty-nine percent of you said you need more episodes to decide. And 23% of you said that it ends here for me. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Just about the, about the first question, right? 41% need to see the finale first. 33% I'll still watch. So that's 74. So that's basically 74% of the people who listen to this podcast and follow the Twitter and voted who watch the show are still willing to watch the show in some way whether they're fully committing or they're hesitant, but, you know, whatever. They're still willing to watch it. Um, and then the 48% who said they're excited about the show and 29 or about season seven and 29% saying they need more episodes to decide, that's 77%. So it's basically that's 3% difference between the two. So it's essentially the same. Like the same amount of people probably are going to want to watch the show. Or they, if you need more episodes to decide, that means that you have to watch the show in order to decide. So you're going to be watching. Um, now, speaking for myself, oh, God, how do we do this? Because I feel like I need to respond to what you said, but I feel like if my response is not going to even acknowledge anything that you said, and then I'm going to feel like a dick. Um, it's really hard to we like almost need two podcasts like one to just discuss the future of the show and then one to discuss what we saw on screen but i feel like discussing the future of the show takes precedence because particularly with the news today it's what's on everybody's lips because some of the new news has just kind of got me in like a weird place with with once upon a time okay so the news then we'll just get into it we all know the story but just for those who aren't playing along on Twitter or social media or whatever. Once Upon a Time is heading to Friday nights at 8 o'clock, followed by Inhumans at 9. Once Upon a Time is also going to be rebooted quite hard in the sense that, according to Matt Mitovich on Twitter, the Evil Queen and Rumpelstiltskin return, but with new identities in a new city facing a new curse. At the upfront presentation that today. That bothers so, me. That is the thing that I, I haven't had time to digest it enough, but that is the thing that kind of gives me a bit of, like, a side eye, unfortunately. And I know I should – what I need to do and I need to wait and see is I need a trailer that kind of, like, to get me hyped. But for right now, it bothers me that this is still being presented as Once Upon a Time because I feel like without – Storybrooke without the community of this big family you know what I mean like new identities like whoa what is that a curse what does that mean just a lot of that it's like call it what it is it's a reboot or not a reboot sorry it's not a reboot it's a spinoff call it a spinoff I feel and I maybe I'm unjust, like I'm completely wrong. I feel just slightly insulted to being told that this is still Once Upon a Time. This is Once Upon a Time, the next chapter. Call it a spinoff. I, I mean, and I would be okay with that because I love Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And that didn't have, what was it, Barbara Hershey was like maybe the only person who came over for that. Uh, aside from, you know, Ashley and, and Grumpy in, in the first episode. But I just don't. 
tell me this is once upon a time when it's not once upon a time. If it's once upon a time, the next chapter, it's a different thing. I feel like that is, I don't want to forget these characters that helped build us these six seasons in this new reboot. And that's what it kind of feels like. It's like, all right, we got here. Now we're going to completely clear the table and we're going to, next season is something different. Well, no, this is a different show now. This is season one of the next chapter. So call it that. But that might just be like a, I had a very difficult day. I've been having a very difficult couple of days, listeners. I apologize. So if I'm a little cranky, that's why. And I really only had maybe a half hour to process that newest information. So maybe I haven't digested it enough. But it just, part of me is just like, Emma is once upon a time. Storybrooke is story. You know Storybrooke. You know my feelings on that is once upon a time. So don't call it once upon a time if it's not. And I, okay, and this is probably a good time to interject that thing that I said earlier, (laughs) Zach. Anybody who complained about once upon a time being once upon a hook and is now like all about once upon a Regina you kind of sound like a hypocrite. I'm just, you know, I didn't brew the tea. I'm just spilling it. There, I said it. That's something that has been under my skin for like a week now. Anyway, I'm sorry, Zach, continue. No, no. I'm glad you made these points because it actually, you're speaking the same kind of doubts that I'm sure a lot of other people feel and that they have been feeling because I know that I certainly felt them. And we, we discussed it on the podcast, but even more intensely, we have discussed it in private. And more shouting. (laughs) Yeah. And I have been very vocal about both of us really have about the fact that, and, you know, I kind of have asked this to on the last podcast and kind of online, you know, is your attachment to the characters or to the story, like, you know, to the show in general, rather not the story, but like, where does your attachment lie? And that helps you kind of figure out, excuse me, figure out how you'd feel about it. Um, I think that that was true then. I don't think that that same argument I was making at that point in time is true now. And the reason why is because Mm. now we've seen, now we have a little bit more facts to go off of, not just speculation. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been presented with what they're going to do the next season. Now, this is where we're going to get into the episode discussion as well, guys, and we're going to work all this into it. Because I have a lot to unpack on this subject. So, if you're feeling a little bit skeptical about this or even maybe in doubt as Ashley is, sit back for a second and maybe be open to the possibilities of what I'm about to discuss. Okay. I think more people feel how you feel than how I feel, to be perfectly honest. Like I know I'm I've not seen... sure. Really? Because I'm not sure either. But I, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we don't agree, which is weird to say. I I'm glad we can talk out both of or points of view. And let me just say, before you get started, I just want to put this out here. Whatever my feelings are for the coming, because this is my biggest, biggest goddamn pet peeve ever of all time. Whatever my feelings are for the next, no, Zach, you know this. Whatever my feelings are for the next season of Once Upon a Time, if I don't watch her, if I watch her, or whatever the hell I do, I'm not going to sit here and remind you 50 tweets. Well, yeah, I'm so glad I stopped watching this trash show. Like, here, let me remind you six months after the fact that I quit this show that I quit this show. Like, 
if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Like, you're never going to hear boo from me if you keep watching it. But, like, honestly, like, let folks have fun and live their lives. And if you don't want to watch a thing, don't watch a thing. Like, I'm not going to be up in Zach's mentions, like, why are you still watching this garbage show? I hate it. I disagree with everything. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is such a, like, lame way to live your life like hate watching is legitimately the dumbest thing ever and like i really don't need commentary for somebody who hasn't watched a show for five seasons to tell me how to live my life watching a show i uh had an analogy for it on twitter that hate watching is basically you know sticking your hand in a fire to try to toast a marshmallow and then complaining that the fire's hot like just what are you like the the benefits are not worth what you're going through to get them, dude. Like, you know, if, if, if you hate the show with a fiery passion, you're only watching from one character, you're not going to be a hundred percent satisfied. Your, your, your marshmallow may get toasted, but you're going to sit, you can't sit there and, and bitch about getting burned. Like, that, that's just, again, I'm feeling quite like venomous today. So anyway, Zach, go, go put, tell them, tell me how you feel. Cause tell me, your your positiveness on this. I I I, I, I need to be quiet now. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. I don't know if everybody has really unpacked this as much as I have, or if maybe you you noticed it but you didn't maybe put as much thought into it as I have. Um, which is so I don't know if other people are seeing this and I'm just speaking for this or if I'm gonna give you some kind of like new awakening perspective on it, whatever. But I'm going to try to do that. Um, For you, Ashley, and for everybody else who might be a little bit doubtful or concerned or whatever, so just bear with me. When this episode started, it was, as we now know from the end, grown-up Henry in the Enchanted Forest, the captain said during a time of upheaval, I believe. And Mm -hmm. he, first of all, I because I've mentioned this to a couple of people and they did not know this. They didn't notice it at least. The cave that he runs into is actually the same tree that Snow was living in. It was super Shut dark. Up, really? Yes, it's the same one. Okay, I I didn't notice that. <laughs> it's the same one. You notice it more like you wouldn't notice it unless you were really looking when he first goes in because there's like I think like a flat like there's one it's super dark but you see that it's like the same tree. So right away I was like, okay, like when I heard, you know, once we knew that it was Henry and that's what was going on, I was like, okay, awesome. He is like in the Enchanted Forest in his grandmother's summer home, if you will. So I was like, okay. Um, And then when he got in there and he woke up Lucy – she has the she has the original book, the book that we are familiar with. The story the story book story book is the one that she has. And the one line of dialogue that stuck out to me was the fact that he said, "You have to keep these stories these stories safe." And she said, "But no one will believe them." And he said, "One day someone will." Okay. Just from that alone. There are a lot of context clues that we can pick up from this. Because, first of all, it's the same book. As we understand it, it's the same story book from Storybrooke. So as far as we're concerned, that book has the story of his family in it. 
like Snow White and everything, like the one that he carried around, all of that is that. And, you know, when good and evil both did the right thing, faith was restored. The final battle was won. That one. It's done. Why would people in the Enchanted Forest not believe those stories? That's the first thing. That means that something has happened, whether it's a curse or just time, Something has happened in the Enchanted Forest to where people no longer, to where people in the Enchanted Forest no longer believe in Snow White and Prince Charming. Now, I don't know about you, but that's damn interesting. Just that, or just that idea alone, as, as like without filling in any of the other details, that alone is super interesting. Like, oh, what I, are I, unique... I agree with you on that. Yeah, what a unique way to approach this idea. I think that that's really awesome. But more importantly, too, who is this someone who will believe in the stories again? Like, what happened? Um, who is that? Who is that person? Does Henry know who it is or not? Because it could kind of it was kind of played where it could go both ways. Um. So there was that that part really stuck out to me, and then he sent her away, and whatever it is that is the new threat to the realm that he's running from came in, and he was also holding Charming Sword, as beat up in whatever as it was. It was Charming Sword. How did Charming Sword? Number one, how does it like how did it get from Storybrooke to the Enchanted Forest again? Where did it come from? Because the last time that we saw it, Henry was carrying it in Storybrooke on his way to go kick the, like, actually, it, Emma had it in the fucking battle. Excuse me. Excuse, excuse me. Emma had it in the battle. Oh, Mom. So, <laughs> so that was the last time really that we saw that sword, so it would be in Storybrooke. So why is it there now? There's a question that needs to be answered. Um, and then the next scene, when Lucy came back to the campsite and found the sword, but no Henry, and Tiger Lily showed up, who I assume fairy is a Tiger fairy, Lily. Fairy yeah. Tiger Lily. She's now telling Lucy that she has to get her to her mother, who is waiting for her. Who's Lucy's mom? I mean, that's the big one, really, right? Who's Lucy's mom? Who is this but mom? More, but from from that, we can actually go a little bit further. Because especially with what happens in the final scene, because as we figure out, well, what I assume, the beginning of the episode, or excuse me, the end of the episode is the beginning of their story. So... That, if that's the beginning and she shows up at his door and says, I'm Lucy, I'm your daughter. And he says, I don't have a daughter. I don't think that he's lying. I think that he just may not have known that she existed. Like he, like he may be the Neil in the situation. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, he's the Neil in the situation. Oh, God, I love it even more. Okay, so she's sitting there saying that, you know, you have to, like, your family needs you. Okay, well, number one, why does his family need him? Why doesn't he know that his family needs him? Where are they? 
did he have a falling out? And see, these are the questions. This is how far I went Ooh. with it because I started asking a bunch of questions. I also want to point something out for our international listeners because I actually uh, saw Mon Ami Dylan on uh, Twitter point this out because he didn't know. Seattle is in Washington. It is is the opposite side of the country to Maine. So he's very far from home. I would say if you're not familiar with uh, U.S. geography, you wouldn't know that. But he is literally across the country. Yeah. Okay. This is true. So, these are the questions that I started asking when I heard this. Like, why would he have fallen out of touch? Like, has he fallen out of touch with them, or is it a curse? Um, Does he not remember them? Is it a thing where it's kind of like when Hook went to Emma in going home at the end and was like, your family needs you, and she just didn't remember because of the curse? or the, rather the undoing of the curse. Um, is it one of those situations where he doesn't remember because of that? Or did he just not, you know, like, does he not know what happened to his family? Or, or the more interesting thing is, does he remember his family? Was there a falling out? Why would he have fallen out? How does Him the of son of the Savior, how does, yes, how does, and I thought about that, how, why would, what would cause him to feel that way? And my mind went to asking things like, well, how does the son of the Savior handle his mother's legacy? If your mother is a Savior, how do you live up to that? How do you live up to the fact that your grandfather is Prince Charming and your grandmother is Snow White and that all the people who have come before you in your family are these legendary fairy tale characters who are true heroes and have saved their people time and time again? How do you cope well, not with only that, that. If, you're, if you're a kid who grew up in Maine? Well, not only that, he can't tell anybody because no one would believe him. No one would believe him. He can't so, go to, like, really go to therapy for it because it's, like, they'll, they'll put him in the nuthouse. I didn't even think no, about that. He, Sorry, I, I keep interrupting so, you, Zach. I apologize. No, but no, but I'm glad that you say that because you're painting the picture more. Because, like, if he has no one to tell, then that means he's kind of isolated. And if he's living in Storybrooke, it's kind of like – Eventually, at some point, he would want to strike out on his own and do his own thing. And if you're constantly being compared to your mother, the savior, or, you know, but if he feels a certain pressure because of that, maybe perceived and not intended, that there's pressure there, then that would potentially actually build a divide between him and his family and his parents. Resentment would fester if you, even if he didn't want well, it to. Resentment would come in because, and not, and just because he doesn't know what to do because you know, like he wants to be his own person, but parent his family's entire shadow is overcasting him. So what more is there to do then than to move to the other side of the country and start a new life somewhere else, away from Storybrooke, where he can be his own person and figure out his own life. If I mean. Th- I find that an interesting scenario. I find, and these, and even if I'm wrong, the fact that these are the questions that we're that we're asking right now, I find them interesting. I'm very intrigued by them, because it goes even further. It really does, because she was on the monorail. She was looking at a picture of the Charmings at that dinner table in another book, and it very wasn't like. 
And yes, and it wasn't like the Once Upon a Time, like the volume two, three, four, whatever it was that Henry and Violet found that day when they were in the library. It's not like it's that. It's a completely different style of book. Number one, it's it's portrait and not landscape. As far as the orientation <laughs> on the cover, the cover itself is different because it has a a tree with a, it has an apple tree on it. it. It's very it's much more childlike. It's more I would say go so far as to say maybe a little bit more quote unquote what we understand as feminine. I was maybe. thinking that too. Mm-hmm. Like more of a little girl version of a storybook. And here's the thing, right? Like, remember when that book, remember when the storybook appeared to Snow White and, and then she gave it to Henry and then it appeared again and appeared again in the finale? Those books just appear. Well, if, he's, if they're telling the classic story of, you know, Snow White and Prince Charming and all these classic fairy tale characters, then it makes sense that those, char- that those stories would be contained within a classic-looking book. But if we're talking about a modern-day take on these fairy tales, and she's reading about what happened in the modern-day version of the story and what happened with the Charming Extended Family and Storybook, then that means that that would become a different book because these stories are new and different. And they're not intended for a boy who wants to be a squash-buckling hero. They're into, these stories in this book are intended for a little girl. That book is meant for Lucy. As much as, that, as much as the original book was meant for Henry, the new book is meant for Lucy. Why? Why is she important? Why does she Do you think she's an author as well? No, I don't know if they would even take it that there, but why is she important? Why would the book appear to her, like, why would it appear in that way? How does she know that the stories are real? How does she know about Henry? That means that, that means, you know what that really means? In a, oh my God, it's a, it's, a, it's a mirror within a mirror within a mirror thing. That means that, liter- that probably within her book is the story of what happened in Storybrooke. And all of those scenes from the show, that means that those are now going to be the pictures inside the book. Hmm. She's going to be reading about her family history since Henry's her dad on the way to figuring out her own importance and, and this time of upheaval where people apparently won't believe in those stories anymore. Why not? And then with Matt Midovich saying today that they return with new identities and a new city facing a new curse, well, now we know why Henry's family needs him. And if he's been separated from them or something, or if there's some kind of resentment there or whatever, then that means that he may not be chopping at the bit to go help them. He may not want to go help them in the beginning. Where Emma took Henry right on home, maybe Henry won't do that with Lucy. He doesn't want to make that mistake again. (laughs) And he's because he's lost hope, you see. And then somehow from there they get to the end, which is really the beginning of the episode when he's running into snow. He's hiding her in Snow's cabin during a time of great upheaval. What is this threat? Who cast this new curse? Why are they in a new city with new identities? And if and because I feel like 
the reason, like, and even I had the concern too of how are you going to do the show without the other half of all these couples after we just saw them get their happy ending or happy beginning, if you will. But I'm really interested in this because if that means, because if they have to fill in the gaps between when the fort, as they made a point to state, 14 year old Henry in the finale of Once versus however the hell old he is in the finale in Seattle. That's a lot of time for them to fill in. That means that they can have the cast come back and do guest starring roles and fill in the charming family history portion of the show while allowing Henry to set off on his own adventure with new characters. We can pivot into new stories, but the old characters can still show up from time to time. There's no reason why they couldn't. We have, I mean, especially if Henry's 28 and that's how far they jumped, that would be, that alone would be a 14-year gap. And he has to be a certain age in his 20s because Lucy is like 10. She is. The actress is 11. I just saw it on Twitter when I was snooping. Yeah, she's 11. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, but her character is a precocious 10-year-old girl. So she's 10. So he has to be at least 28 because they're not going to let him have a baby before he's 18 and an adult. So he's got to be 28, just like his mother. This is a fascinating turn of events. Like, what happens next? Like, who are the, who are the other new characters? Why are they in the forest? How did they get there? How did they get from Seattle to the Enchanted Forest? Where has Lucy been this whole time? Does she know who her mother is? I can't imagine that Henry would allow a child to go into the foster system if he knew about them. Mm. So it has to be a thing where he doesn't know about her. So why doesn't he know about her? Is her mom from Storybrooke? Is she from the Enchanted Forest? Is she from here? Is she from our world? And she wouldn't believe Henry's stories. And that's why they separated. But she's the one who has to believe. Well, who knows? Because according to Tiger Lady, her mother's waiting for her. Waiting for her where? With whom? I'm so in for this. This is once upon a time to me. This is like, and it's a reboot, and yeah, it's different, and we're in a different city, and some of the characters aren't going to be there, and I'm okay with that because we just saw their stories are okay. Like, they're okay. It's not like they're completely undoing everything that has just been done. The last six seasons are not being negated. Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's a new curse. We've already seen that before. They have new identities. I don't want to see them be new people. They're in a new city. I, like, I want to see Storybrooke. Those are all fair opinions. Completely valid. I'm not, even gonna, I'm not arguing against them either because they're totally valid. But I will say that there's a, there is another way of looking at this. There is an, like, because everything that I'm talking about now and the situation that I'm putting forward, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really, when you start asking all of these questions about where it could go and, and realizing that just based off of what they showed us in three scenes, we look listen to the discussion that we're having. Like, this could really go somewhere really exciting and different. Because we've all been saying for how long now that we've kind of been like 
we, what we want to see, we want to see this, we want to see that, and we haven't necessarily been getting that. It's true. Some of this stuff is repetitive. It's also true. But I feel like this is going to be something totally new because they have already told so many stories of, like, the Disney pantheon that now we can shift into something different, something that's really new. Like, we don't have to tell, like, origin stories of Ariel and, and like, Mulan and include all these little references from the movies because we've already got that. They've already established it for us. We've already had all those things done. It's kind of like when you introduce – it's kind of like the first movie in, like, a series like Guardians of the Galaxy, like, introducing and setup and everything. It's, it's kind of similar to that in a way. I just think this is very exciting and very fun, and it has the potential. Now that we've gotten all of that set up and, and little and obligatory Easter eggs and stuff all out of the way, let's dig in. Let's really get into this now. I think we really have a shot at getting something original and fun and different and new and, and, and something that we would want to see and we don't even know it yet. I may be completely wrong, too. I may be completely – it might suck. <laughs> but I really feel like I at least want to give it a chance because the potential of where it could go and what it could do could be really fun and really interesting and tell a really awesome perspective on this story. Like, I was so opposed to this. And now that I've seen this ep- like this episode and where they really want to go with it, and I'm like, yes. Absolutely. What a fantastic idea. This could be so great. I'm so excited. I'm really into this idea. I love it. So, I mean, that's, that's what I just had to say. But I, and I hope that you guys are as open to it, too. At least maybe I've maybe highlighted some other possibilities that maybe you hadn't considered yet because it is a lot to, like, get all at once and you're just hearing, like, one thing and you're like, well, how is that going to work? But when we really go beyond it, guys, this could be so fucking awesome. Oh, I'm so excited for this. I seriously am. I'm so here for this. I, it's, I, what you've said definitely has caused me to be more intrigued. I will say that, but I'm a couple of things. Um, I think what it was is that, we obviously jumped into all this new information right after the finale. So I guess maybe I wanted a little, like, I don't want to call it a mourning period, but just a little time to let that final scene with everybody at the table kind of simmer a bit for me before I'm ready to, like, move on. I think that that might be part of what it is because, in a way, you are saying goodbye to everything you know. And then my whole sticking point with Storybrooke is is really more I mean obviously I I always say like the heart of the show is the town and the people in it but also from more of like a behind the scenes point of view like I would I think that the show has been a remarkable thing for Stevenson and for Richmond um, you know, talking to the our friends at the, the tourism board who are always so lovely about, you know, everything, just having the tourism of people coming to watch filming and, you know, spending their money at the local shops. And if you've ever been to Stevenson, you know that, like, they all kind of get on the act. The, uh, was it the candy, the candy store that was the candy dish? Um, mm-hmm. and Stevenson has 
chocolates, and and they every time there's a new thing on the show, they make a new candy for it. They like they made dark chocolate, dark swans, and they they had when Zelina came on the show, they made like these like sour green apple candies and and things like that. And, you know, they make it all there, and it's like and they offer um, it's a donation. And I think they raised, oh, God, it was, it was a couple thousand dollars for charity based on their walking around, you know, the walking maps of Storybrooke, uh, just on that alone that they offer. Like, it's, it's whatever you could, you know, put in the box to get the map and go see, like, the quote-unquote sites of Storybrooke. So I guess from a behind-the-scenes point of view, I don't want that to go away for that town. And on the other hand, though, I am glad that there's a seventh season just for the people, the crew, and the writers, and the folks who work on the show. Because, you know, when you go out to film, you see so many people working so hard for just a couple of little scenes. And, you know, you make it a point. Like, it was weird because I was talking to one guy who was, like, hitching up God knows what after I watched filming. I was like, thank you for letting us watch. And he's like, yeah, no, it's always, you know, it's kind of cool when you guys come out here. Like, Grant, I know watching filming can be disruptive for the actors. I completely understand that as well. But at the same time, I think for the crew, I feel like they don't see the support the cast does. So when people come out and watch the film, wow, watch the film, watch filming, they kind of realize some of the impact. So, And that obviously gives people work in Steveson, in Richmond, in Vancouver, so I think a lot of my personal feelings about this also has to do with what I've experienced behind the scenes as well. Like, I mean, grannies is the heart of, of Storybrooke. I don't want to see them not being grannies anymore. Things like that. So I, I part of that, obviously, I need to put that to the side when it comes to the front of house stuff, the storytelling. I, I don't know. I'm really, I get that. I get that. Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to stop, though, because what'll, what'll, what will make me sad is that when I go there now, I am unlikely to see anything that says Storybrooke anymore. Uh, the bread shop. The, the bread shop the made bread. the Storybrooke Bread Co. their permanent sign. That guy is He's a treat. We'll just say that. He's a, he's a cool guy who runs it. But, yes, that's his permanent sign, so you will be able to see that. But, like I've always said, when you go to Steveson to see it, it's like you've walked into a dream where everything's familiar, but when they don't have the signage up, it's a little like, oh, that's where this kind of – it's weird. Yeah, it's like being in a memory that's not yours. Um, mm-hmm. And yet it's not because it's not quite storybook. Um, I feel like they have to revisit it at some point or another. I mean, Lucy has to kind of, I don't say has to, but I think she has, like, it would be fitting for her to revisit that. It'll happen in the premiere. I guarantee that it'll be in the premiere. Um, yeah, I'm... Remind me, I was there, remind me when we get into the meat of some of the flashback or not the flashback scenes. The Enchanted Forest scenes, I have some funny stories about when I went to go see filming. Well, hopefully we can get there because we just finally got to that part of it and it's already 6.38 here, so we only have like less than an hour left. Um, so, oh, a lot. Well, we did, 
did we talk about the the time the move of the uh, airing time as well? No, we didn't really get into the fact that it's moving to the Friday night death slot at 8 o'clock, followed by Marvels and Humans. It is still going to have 22 episodes, but, um, yeah, Friday nights are the – it's the Friday night death slot. It is. It's where shows get sent to die, basically. So they're hoping to turn and I that know, around. But well, Yeah, and I know there's some debatable – well, not all shows are, you know – not all shows, not all shows are like that, but a lot of those shows are, have, have either that's always been their slot or they were moved there very early in their, in their seasons. I think, what, what was I saying the other, a couple hours ago, Fringe went in like what season two or season three, what season was Brown Betty in? Season three, I think is when it had moved to Friday. So they, they're shows that aren't established. I think, it's a bit of a detriment to have a show that's been, you know, a specific date and time for six years to move it to a completely different time. Because I've seen a lot of people remark that they won't be able to watch live. Now, granted, I know the landscape of television is changing and you have your DVRs and your, I watch on Hulu because I don't have cable anymore. I cut the cord, which was a very good option for me, but it's going to change numbers. So if like numbers change in regards to rating, honestly, I don't don't pay attention to ratings anymore, guys. This is a bunch of crap. But um, it's going to change some things, and there's going to be definitely a wobbly adjustment period, I think, for that. But I am not keen, personally, for moving to the Friday Night Death Squad. I'm not keen on it either. I hope that it turns around. Um, I hope that by putting it with Inhumans that it gives once a little shot in the arm and and let's it, you know, be well, a good Well, it's not only in humans. Yeah, when in humans and... and Agents of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Will Agents, right, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be in, 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 in humans' uh, slot. And I think that they had said that they wanted it to kind of, like, to pair the two. The viewerships are very similar, so they want to kind of pair those. And, I mean, that's a good idea, but on a Friday, I don't know. I feel like they should have done that on a sun on Sunday. Like, why not put it on Sundays? Like, make that get the, rid of America, America's funniest home videos. Get rid of that and and exactly get rid of that. Up. Yeah, like move once to seven. Anyways, oh no, um, it is at seven. The six six o'clock uh, Central Time or East or whatever. Well, no, it no, it comes on at eight. It's on at eight here, and so they would have to move back an hour well, for everybody. Right, but I'm saying it's on at seven here, so it would be six o'clock my time. And then oh, have well, Agents of Shield. Yeah, and then have Agents of Shield be the uh, at the old slot, and then have two hours of guess, your sci-fi fantasy. Because I was thinking that they would have to do Agents of Shield more um, Inhumans and once, but I forgot that they're just switching off. So they could still keep it at eight, and then put Inhumans and Agents of Shield at nine. Um, but they did they did what they did for whatever reason, so we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, Grimm was on Friday night too. It lasted a while. I think that there's certainly an option for it, especially, and I hate to say this, but the fact that it's now more centered around a father and son is going to change the, maybe the demographic a little bit. So maybe a little bit skewer towards more male audiences, which may, you know, for people who are watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or or whatever, Marvel is more perceived as a quote-unquote male property, so 
even though I know there are a lot of women who love it. I know women love it. I know. Don't hate me. I know. <laughs> Marvel is very much perceived as a guy's thing. Like, so I'm not saying I agree with it, but just in general, that's how it is. So, you know, maybe that's what they're trying to do. I don't really, it doesn't matter to me why they're trying to, like, what they're doing it for. It's, you know, I don't know that it's a good idea, but we'll see how it goes. Um, mm-hmm. I think it sucks because it's been on Sundays at 8 o'clock forever, but at the same time, they are trying, it's a reboot, they're trying to do something different, they're trying to make some changes, so maybe a new night with a new show that's more geared towards, I mean, because really, you and I have discussed this before, if you put once with anything with Marvel on television, then that right there alone is your Comic-Con package that you send, so, I mean, we figured that that would be the case. So now they're just doing mm-hmm. what we always think would be the smart move anyway. So that's not really a big deal. We just never said that in public. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also, too, we have a synopsis for season, season seven. I guess we could read that. Um, it says, after six seasons, the residents of the Enchanted Forest face their greatest challenge yet as the evil queen, Captain Hook, and Rumpelstiltskin join forces with the grown-up Henry Mills and his daughter, Lucy, on an epic quest to once again bring hope to their world and ours. See, bring hope to their world and ours. Um, along mm-hmm. the way, new fairy, tale, new fairy tale characters and old search for true love, find adventure, and once again take sides in the struggle of good against evil as, class, as classic tales are once more twisted and reimagined. See, again, like, the struggle between good and evil, it always goes on. Oh, and that's the other thing. I didn't actually say this, right? Because we haven't, we haven't got to even talk about. Honestly, guys, we could talk about little things in the episode, things that we thought were totally screwed up, like when that bitch pushed Henry down the stairs using magic. We'll get to that because that bitch pushed Henry oh. down the stairs using magic. That bitch. So we'll talk about that. But um, you know, having said that, there, like in general, I need to discuss the end. Um. So we'll get to all that other shit later, but frankly, we need to discuss the end because I need to like have the emotional catharsis that comes with it. So there we go. I'm sure that all of you do as well. And then we all know that we want to talk about the ending. Anyway. So there it is. And the ending was the most important part, in my opinion. It really was. It was yeah, so we might as well just get to it. Okay, so. When Snow started giving her speech, after the book had appeared, like from the moment the book appeared... I was like, okay, this is like it. Like, this is the home stretch. Are you ready? I truly wasn't. She gave the book back to Henry, and he read the thing when good and evil both did the right thing, faith was restored. The final battle was won. And and I said, that's it, know the end. And then said, Snow said, no, because this isn't the end. And that's when I was like, oh, God, here come the feels. <laughs> I started crying. As she was talking with her speech and and saying everything, I was like, the the eyes were getting misty. They weren't falling, but they were definitely getting there. Um, and and really too, that last shot of her when she stops talking and she's holding her hands in front of her, and she's at a certain angle. She in that moment, whether you you may not have noticed it, but your brain did. In that moment, she's standing like Snow White the animated Snow White, because I have been to Disneyland more times than I can count, and I have seen that pose a thousand times. She was standing like Snow motherfucking White in that (laughs) pose. 
And I was here for it. Let me tell girl, I was like, yes, I am absolutely 1,000% here for what's happening right now. She looks just like Snow White. Oh, my God, this is perfect. Um, I, was, I was having a ball. And then it went up to the clock, and it clicked to 8.16, and the light shone. And then we went into the little hat portal room when all the realms started appearing, and the, the ice sim was swelling and I was like, oh, sweet Jesus. Like, it's really happening now. And they went through Arendelle. Oh, my God, dude. Like, when they went through everything, that's when I really started crying. Is not when they showed Arendelle because I was like, okay. But when it went from Arendelle to Neverland and I saw Tank and Skull Rock, that's when I really lost it. Because for me, like, just for, like, I'm sorry to talk, like, talk about my own experience, guys, instead of, like, everything. But I kind of have to. Um in this moment, so bear with me, please. When I first saw, like, the Neverland portion of that little montage, I got emotional because when I first went to Comic-Con and met all of them for the first time, it was right before the Neverland story. So that one will always have a special place in my heart because that's, like, they started Save Henry with our interview. So that has, like, and that's when I first met, like, Jen, and then she did the speech in Lost Girls, like she had that moment with Snow that was just a killer, and so that's when I really started getting emotional, and then it went to, like, Wonderland, and I flashed back to, like, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, the beginning of the podcast, like, that first episode, like, Hat Trick, when we first saw that, and when it was the first season, and I wasn't part of any online community whatsoever at all, um, and I was just, like, reliving all of these things, like, that I've been through and that we've gone through together, me and you, Ashley, and, like, the Comic-Cons we've been to and the conventions and all of the things. Like, it wasn't just, like, that the show was coming to an end. It was that it was, I was having to relive the last few years all over again in the space of, like, their little 10-second montage. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I can't handle all of this. Because it was just so happy. I was so happy at that point because I was like, they're here. Everybody is okay. All of the, like, we've been to all of these places before. Like, then we went to the Enchanted Forest and we saw the queen standing there in the castle and it looked so peaceful. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I just felt really, I don't know. Um, Ashley, My one criticism, here. I was with him. I I agree with you because every time they showed a new place, I kind of thought about the episodes that surrounded it, and I was just like, oh, you know. But I have to say, my one tiny little nitpick with that is I would have loved to have seen, like I love seeing Aladdin and Jasmine in Agrabah. I would have loved it if more people had come back for each realm, or. Like, I would have loved to have seen maybe Anna and Elsa or, like, just, like, maybe Elsa, like, you know, make it snow if it's, like, Christmas in Arendelle and she's like, okay, snow on the Christmas tree, woo. Or when we go to Wonderland, maybe see Will Scarlet and Anastasia walking through the maze. Like, that is my one tiny little thing is I'd, I'd like to see more of the uh, secondary characters who helped build and flesh out these stories get a nod as well. Like, I know it's so hard to get people to come back and and you know schedules and things of that nature I understand that but part of me was like oh I kind of wish I would have seen more people 
But I agree with you, Zach. Like, when we saw Neverland, like, I definitely thought that that damn boat and waiting in line for those damn pins. See? And and right next door to that boat. Well, first off, like, I mean, and I know I've told this story before, but I have to tell it every time. It's like, when you're waiting outside the boat, obviously they, they play the the thing for season three in there, and there's there's this bass drop that happens when they go, <laughs> the boat, the Jolly Roger goes into the portal, and it's like this, and like that noise is forever in my head from standing Absolutely. there. That and, and the song Blurred Lines, because Fox played the song Blurred Lines. That was their song to signify, okay, we're giving yes, out free stuff. So that oh song my was... God, yes. I can't hear that song without thinking of my very first Comic-Con. <laughs> and just, like, remembering, though, like, I just remember, like, that was the first time I had ever camped out for anything ever. And I, and I remember sitting outside on the sidewalk, and we started camping, I think, at 4 in the afternoon. So we were, like, the first 10 people to get in. And I just remember, like, at one point at night being, like, like it wasn't until we got into the room. And that was, I think they did Wonderland. Yeah, they did Wonderland before. Uh, once that year, but that was the first time I had ever seen the cast live for once upon a time. And I remember we got in the second row in the center and I remember just sitting there. I was bone tired and dirty and sweaty and just gross, but sitting there in that seat going, I'm about to see my favorites live. They're there. I could like touch the chair if I wanted to thinking like, I'm here because my whole reason I went to Comic-Con in the first place is because I was so hyped about the show and I heard they were going to be there. And I was like, I have to find a way. Like I'd seen the Paley Fest panel. So like, that's so cool. I have to do this. So I worked all of my, my angles to finally go to Comic-Con. And then like, so that was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm finally here. And Comic-Con was my very first convention. And that just started a whole nother thing for me. So I was like, no, this is going to be a thing for me from now on. So, yeah, kind of like realizing I'm looking at Skull Rock and being like, oh, because that for me, like season three was the point I think was like the very, very height of the once upon a time, like fandom, I feel like, like everyone was so hyped and we weren't completely mired in shipping crap and people weren't like bitching about the Frozen storyline or like whatever the hell, you know, grumpiness people decided to have. Like that was at that point, we were all oncers. And so seeing that kind of took me back a little. And I think that's the point where I really like, again, like you said, I, I was misty during snow, but I really started crying and it just, the tears kept going the entire rest of the, the episode, like till the end. I was just like, I was boohooing like a baby. And I just, yeah. I have to say, so glad However, on the nose and and it, whatever you feel like seeing the Last Supper like layout, because for me that was a little just 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 like a hair too on the nose. At the same time, we finally got that Thanksgiving dinner that we've always always wanted since it was brought up in season three, like Thanksgivings with this family, you know, blah blah blah. We got it, right. and like like it was said in the letters, like Rumpel and Belle being welcomed in, like everybody was welcomed, and they were a hundred percent a family together in that scene, and that's and then just showing everybody laughing, having a good time, and I was like, 
Oh my God, it's my show. It was it it was very unelegant, but of me. But I mean, that was good. I like that. Yeah, and truthfully, like when it got to the Grammys and they were all sitting at the table and the music changed and like it was kind of oh, slow yeah. motion and they were all just there and. I was like, this is exactly how I would have wanted it to end. I mean, that was it was how I wanted it to end. Like and nothing I didn't flashy, know nothing ridiculous. Yeah. Like uh, a there was this big, huge battle. It's true, and we'll discuss that in a second. We have to because we only have a half an hour left. God. Um, I'm doing what I can. I'm not kidding you guys. I'm doing what I can right now to see if I can figure out how I can schedule another podcast that starts at 730 because I feel like we're going to need it. Um, 730 Pacific. So um, we'll see. I, if I am successful, I'll let you know. We'll just keep on talking. We may not even need the whole hour, but we'll keep talking. Um. Yeah, it was like there was a big old battle, but in the end, it came down to a moment of a family sitting down to dinner. Which is funny because that's what you and I, that's what I suggested last week. What if the final battle was getting them all to stop fighting and sit down to dinner? It kind of was. And that's exactly kind of what it was. It was getting Rumpel to just shut the hell up so they could sit down and have dinner together, for God's sake. I was so he did the right thing. He finally did the right thing, like a hundred percent. And I was I'm so glad that that was kind of the the culmination of what he did in the episode. And so you know, I'm glad that there was reconciliation. It you know what I mean? Like, I know that I, I I would say, like, I don't want to see, you know, Rumpel and Bell 100% makeup, but I feel like what we saw without any dialogue, just this small moment of them dancing together, that was all I kind of needed. It didn't over-explain what had happened, but it gave you a feeling of where they were now, and it worked. So just want to let everybody know that I was successful in creating a new podcast. So this one will end and we'll have to do it again. <laughs> but if you guys want to listen to it, then you can, because I think we're going to need to. So, cause we only, we're still on the personal stuff and we only have a half an hour left. We haven't even really talked about the details of the episode yet. We can try to get through it in the next half an hour, but who knows? I scheduled one just in case we may not even need it, but I scheduled one just in case. So keep in mind that if you're listening to this and you're live, I scheduled another one. It's called Podcast Number 103, Part 2, and that's all it says. So there it is. Because um, I'm about to get personal. Because I've never told this story before, I don't think, on the podcast. Maybe I have, but I don't remember. Okay. After it faded, after the live shot faded into the storybook drawing, and it said at the bottom, they lived happily ever after, which made me so, yeah, just, I was like, yep, this is perfect. Um, and then it, you know, when it showed Seattle, like when the, when the monorail was going, because I had forgotten that the opening title card had a monorail even in it. Because I remember I saw it and I was like, what the hell is the monorail doing here? Are we really, like, I thought that it was a Disneyland reference. <laughs> 
And then they had that shot where the monorail went by, and then when it was done and the space needle was there, and it said Seattle. I started crying really hard, actually. And I'm from Seattle. So seeing that Henry was now living in Seattle, it, it, it would just felt really personal for me. And those of you who know me and know my story know why I love the show in the first place. So the fact that something that is so incredibly to who I am as a person and part of who I am as a person, because I'm very proud of my city, Seattle, um, it, it just made me feel like everything I've been doing with my life for the past few years has had a meaning and a purpose and that everything that's happened to me was supposed to happen the good stuff and the bad because I would not be where I am and the show would not be so important to me if the bad things hadn't happened And um, during the first season after this show had come out, I was at a friend's house, and we were thinking about what it was in our lives that really made us happy, because I was tired of not doing the thing that really made me happy, because I'd been watching the first season of Once Upon a Time, and I'd seen The Price of Gold so many times because I was on my DVR at the time, and I heard Emma say, if you want to, basically, if you want to change your own life, then get out there and do it. Move your ass. And I wanted to move my ass, and I just didn't know which direction to move it in. And so I was sitting there thinking about what I really wanted out of my life and what really, truly, genuinely made me happy. And I closed my eyes, and I imagined that scene from Pinocchio when Geppetto is looking out of the window and he's wishing on the star, right? And for, you know, starlight, star bright, for star I see tonight. <clears throat> I wish I may, I wish I might. Please grant the wish I wish tonight. And then I said, I wish that I could get my enhanced driver's license, which is something unique to Washington State, which allows you to cross over into Canada without needing a passport. Um, I wish I could get my enhanced driver's license, go up to Vancouver and Stevenson and see where they film the show, meet the cast and the crew, and move to Hollywood and get a job in the entertainment industry. My phone rang about five minutes later, and it was my grandmother, wanting to know if I wanted to go with her to the DMV the following day to get our enhanced driver's license because she wanted to take the train ride up to Vancouver. I'm not kidding. So I, of course, said yes and immediately thought, wow, that's certainly a coincidence, isn't it? And we went and we did it. Now, she ended up not being able to go on the trip that we had planned. She had to cancel on me about a week out just because um, some stuff had come up, I think, and she was unable to go. But she told me that I should go. 
Well, I wasn't about to take a train by myself, so I decided to drive because I was going to go to Steveston, and I knew that it wasn't near a train station. So I drove up there. I was by myself. <laughs> I, left, I left at 6 in the morning, and I got there at, like, 9.30. So I had gotten my enhanced driver's license, and I had gone to Steveston to see where they filmed. And I not only went to Steveston, but I drove – up into Richmond a little bit. I saw, I found Jefferson's house. I found Regina's house, Gold's house. And I drove out to Fort Langley and I saw the town hall. And then I went home. One of the, like one of the best days of my life. Um, and that was that. And then maybe a month later, I decided that I wanted to go for San Diego for press and I did that and I submitted the application and I forgot about it um, for two months or however long it was but I forgot about it and then one day I was sitting at home my grandpa was on the phone with me and I was asking I had decided to ask, call him and ask him if there was anything that he would be willing to contribute towards my education financially um, because I was all about furthering my education and asking my family who would encourage me to do so to pay for it. So straight up. I mean, I was getting student loans too, but I wanted to see if anybody else could help me out. So I asked him. And to my surprise, because he agreed and the only reason why he agreed is because earlier that day I had gotten confirmation that we had gotten press credentials for San Diego. So that happened in the morning when I got the news that I was going to meet the cast of the show. And then my grandpa told me that he was going to help me pay for college. And those two events happened on the anniversary of Pinocchio's release. Pinocchio, of which contains the scene where Geppetto wishes upon the star. And then I met them. And it's four years later now. And I live in Hollywood. So the only part of the wish that I made in season one that has not come true was getting an actual paying job in the entertainment industry. Yes. Yet. So I know that not everybody has had the same kind of experience, but... Now you guys kind of know a little bit of why more, maybe a little bit more of why I'm so attached to this show and why I have never, ever felt like any of this is a coincidence because on some level, as much as I love everybody else, I feel like the universe made this show for me for whatever reason. <laughs> like, and it sounds so egotistical to say because I know that it brings things to everybody, though. That's the thing. I don't claim that the universe made it just for me. But it sure does feel like it sometimes because of what this show has done for me. I, it's just 
unbelievable. What what Snow said at the end, believing in even the possibility of having a happy ending, but living with that belief is hope. Like she described my life in two in one sentence. They described my whole life. This has never been just a show for me. Because for whatever reason, all of these weird coincidental things that just can't be a coincidence have happened in a very distinct order. It's very, like, obvious significance. So at the end, when I saw that Henry was living in Seattle, which was the place where I started this whole journey of, of my life changing because of this show, it just was so full circle. <laughs> so that's my long-winded, emotion, overly emotional story. I'm glad I didn't cry. <laughs> So that's what it is. That's why it meant so much to me. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit more biased towards the fact that Henry is getting his own adventure because now I feel like I'm really going to see more of my life, but who knows? Because <laughs> I don't no. think it's the same. Because it was Emma. That, there's a specific reason why I love Emma, too, but that's way too personal. So I'm not going to talk about that. But, yeah. I can't say I've had the same experience specifically. I think... Because that's kind of spooky how things, but I can say that I've gotten everything I've ever, ever could have wanted as a fan of this show. And to Snow's thing, living with the belief of a happy ending, you know, it's because. I always believed that I could. Mm. And I believe that I could because of the show. Because, right. you know, you're a fan of something and you're like, oh, it'd be so rad to meet the cast. And, like, again, this sounds a little egotistical to have them know your name and this, that, and the other. And to see, mm-hmm. you know, where they filmed, to go to Storybrooke. And I never. If you had asked me six years ago if I if any of those things would ever be true, I would have no. laughed in your <laughs> I would have laughed in your face for a full twenty no. minutes. But it did happen. Life and it's because you keep pushing towards that happiness. So I'm and I'm saying you know, I'm looking at happiness. like my posters. And ending isn't <laughs> happiness. Being together is, oh, my God, mm-hmm. and the music was so brilliant. It was you know, just and like I was, Well, I say this. You and I would have never known that each other existed if it hadn't been for this stupid show. Exactly. Everybody, like, mm-hmm. literally, like, there are, there are, like, a few people that I still keep in touch with from, like, Seattle and Las Vegas because I've lived in both of those places. Um, but everybody who so, is important you know, to me, everyone, yeah, everyone who's important to me in my life right now, I know because of this show. 
Yeah, no, like I said, I have I have a friend who's very dear to me, and I, the only reason I ever met her is because I was on Tumblr and she was on Tumblr, and you know, it's five years later, and and we talk every single day, and and I'm very grateful for that, you know. Right. We should probably talk about the episode, huh? <laughs> Well, no, like, the thing is, you can't, we can't just talk about the episode because it's the end of the show as it is now, and there are, there's a a certain level of discussion that has to happen about that. Like, we can't just pretend that, you know, we can't talk about the end of the show without talking about everything else because this has shaped, I mean, our friendship exists because of the show, and we know each other because this podcast exists because of the show, and we've worked together doing press stuff for the last couple, like with too many things have happened to us. We can't like, we have to talk about all this and get it all out. It's our last, like it's the last time to get it out. At least all about this. Cause it's going to, it's going to change. So that's true. I mean, now is the time we've, I've scheduled another one. We have more time. So, um, this is, I mean, oh my God, the ending was just, and can I just say, okay, you know what? Actually, now that you've said that, I feel like we kind of have gotten all the personal stuff out of the way and we can come back to it as needed. But I just want to say this because it has been – I thank you all who tweeted me about this or wrote, sent me a message about it, who listened to the podcast, because I thank you for reminding me and for speaking up. Once upon a time on this podcast, I said – that the final stakes, the final battle, the final all of it needed to be something super-duper heavy-duty lifting. It needed to be something where all of the realms would be at stake, almost like the nothing from the never-ending story coming to destroy everything. I said that. I don't remember which podcast. I don't remember which episode it was. But it exists. It happened. I said that. You may notice a similarity between what I just said and what you just watched on the Sunday. <laughs> just faking. And all the other times that I have been right with every other guest that I have ever made on this podcast and all the times that I have been right, all the theories that we have come up with, that all of the discussions that we have had about this, that, and the third, that we have been right about, I am absolutely going to give us a nice pat on the back for that because we have really theorized some super duper heavy duty correct shit on this show (laughs) and it's so not appropriate to toot your own horn but fuck man we talked the shit out of this show and I'm proud of it (laughs) I have to say I really enjoyed the fact that the final battle wasn't a big there's no bombast I mean there was a battle element to it but there was no bombast battle that could ever live up to what we were imagining so the fact that the final battle was an internal struggle with Emma I felt was the perfect kind of way to do this yes and I love the one thing that like when I was the oh my god Probably the thing where I was like, oh, is this bitch serious? And at the same time, I was like, that is so fucking brilliant. I love the fact that they made her Henry's adoptive mother in the curse. Oh, my God. I was like, you are so evil. I love it. Like, this is awful, and I love it. 
Well, that was the thing when when we got the you know the previously um, once upon a time. I yes. and they started showing stuff from the first season. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I was. I, I was, was like, like oh no. Yeah. But I love I, like, I love where they. Here? I love what they did when they were like, okay, so what would have happened if you know, because the catalyst of it was, is that Emma didn't believe Henry at that point. He's like, I'm going to eat the turnover and I'm going to show you. And that was the whole thing that made Emma believe. And I love the fact that they kind of went, well, what if it didn't make her believe? Like what would have been the fallout from that? Like what would have happened if the curse hadn't been broken in season one is basically what we got. Right. I loved that. I absolutely loved it. It was, I mean, which, yeah. I mean, which I always, I always, personally, I felt that they could have let the curse go on further than season one. And I know you love the fact that they, they broke it. And I think it does work now having seen it all. But, you know, when we were in season two, I was, I was like, man, they should have let the curse like, keep going. And I'm glad that they went back and kind of revisited that. Because I know it was a choice of theirs, too. It wasn't, I don't... <clears throat> And and if I'm wrong, please correct me, but didn't they say that they initially weren't going to have the curse break in season correct. one finale, but then they decided to do that? Right. Yep. That is correct. But here's where Fiona was the most dastardly as well, because she inserted herself into all this as, you know, his adoptive mother, as Madam Mayor. And that's, it felt so insidious because she was right there. And the the thing that sticks out to me the most, aside from her tossing him down the stairs, that pissed me off. I was like, you! And aside from burning the book, because that was having, like, palpitations over that. Because I was like, she's not going to be like, stop, please, no, why? Pump the brakes. Was that scene in the um, hospital when she's like, well, he fell down the stairs. How could he fall down the stairs? How could I push him if I wasn't even touching him? And just the way that, like, she's, like, talking to Henry, like, you better shut the hell up now. I mean, it felt, it felt like uh, an abusive situation where it was like, you know, he, you know, he ran into a door, didn't you? And that made it very real and very scary in a way. Yeah. I have to say, I I have to say, out of all the villains that they have had on this show, besides like Rumple and Regina, I'm leaving them off. But everybody else that they've had, even they've had some fantastic villains. Um, I mean, they've had you know they had Peter Pan, we had the Queens of Darkness, um, we had the Snow Queen. You know, God, Elizabeth Mitchell. Oh, God, Elizabeth Mitchell. My God. Um, <laughs> I will. She will always be like she's. Mm. Um, but anyways, out of all the villains that they've ever had on the show, she was the one. And I said this on Twitter too. Out of all the villains, I feel like she is the only one who would physically choke somebody to death and not give a shit about it, like. I feel like all the other villains would use some kind of magic or some kind of magical whatever to get the way, and I feel like she would just, like, even Cruella would shoot somebody. She would actually just strangle them and would not give a shit. Well, and that's the thing. Like, even Cora, like, she was all about manipulation and stuff, but, like, she yeah. wouldn't just 
Cora's life would be so much easier if she just tossed a few more people down the stairs. But, like, the fact that Fiona actually, like, just was like, oh, no, yeah, you're not going to be a problem anymore. Boot. Ugh. Like, I will say, Cora will always have a special place in my heart, and I think it's because we she was introduced in season one, so she had, like, a whole episode mm-hmm. to kind of get, like, who what she was all about out of the way. And then we had a whole season to unpack her. Right. So that's that, that, that's the benefit there, but mm. I will say Fiona. I think I don't want to say bloodthirsty, but she like like literally gave the least amount of shit uh, in in terms of getting what she wanted. Absolutely. Ooh, she was wretched when she pushed him down the mm-hmm. stairs. She pushed him upstairs, and then she served him pieces of the burned book on a tray. Oh, and she opened that up, and I was like, you, like, that was just, like, I wish we had seen more of that in the season, to be perfectly honest with you, like, because she was in top evil form this episode. Like, I think she, obviously, they had nothing to lose in regards of writing because uh, she was coming to an end. Like, they didn't want her, us to hate her too much. But I feel like she was honestly the least sympathetic of all the villains. She, she was even absolutely. with even with her her tragic backstory. Like I didn't feel no. as bad. Like even Corella and her like craziness. Like I still kind of felt a little bad because she was just nuts. Like right. Fiona well, was a hundred percent the most villainous. What? She and Cruella was evil, and she fucking loved it. That's why I loved it so much. Like, mm, mm. I kind of want to rewatch that episode now because I just I'm thinking of that scene when she turns. She's like, "I made a coat out of my mother's dog," and just oh man, she was like, she was, but she was like, uh, was it when you do the alliances? She was like, what chaotic evil? Like I feel like Fiona was like yeah. lawful evil. Like she had a plan the whole time. Well, and that was the thing, too, with her, that she wasn't just like, hey, check this out. I'm going to, like, cast a curse. It's whatever. She was like, all of the realms of story are going to be destroyed if this bitch doesn't believe. So what are you going to do about it, punk? Like, that was basically what she was doing. And I was if here she, for it. Like, Think about it, that, though. If she had injured dude, Henry more, dude, if, no. if Henry had... Well, yeah, no, if Henry had fallen a different way, she would have won, and everything would have been obliterated. Like, it's kind of, like, sure. really creepy to think about it. Like, ugh. Oh, that's the thing that we have to discuss about the end, that we absolutely have to discuss about the end, is when Emma, like, first of all, what she was saying during the battle was awesome. I am hope, I am light. I was like, you sure are, girl. Tell him. Um She's finally owning her Emma-ness. Yeah, but here's the thing, though, right? And here's why I think, and they never really, like, they didn't establish this. It was just a line in the book. But So I'm inferring this of what happened. I actually think that the only reason, the only reason why things went the way that they did is because in that last second, Gideon said, I was hoping you would save us both because he had hope in that moment. And Emma he had knew hope it. In and, Emma. That's she, and that's why she smiled because she knew in that moment that she was going to win. 
that everything was going to be okay. Whether she lived or not, I, Emma, when she smiled, knew. Mm-hmm. I like that you said that she knew that everything was going to be okay. But, but like, I'm not going to lie to you. Even though I knew that uh, Jennifer Morrison had said that she'd be back for at least one episode in uh, season seven, really thought that they killed her off there for a second. I was like, shit. Really? Oh, I, no, I never, but no, mm-mm, never. Well, until until they, they showed her lying in the street and she didn't have a stab wound, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe she'll be brought back. But when he, fi- when he stuck her, like, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I, I honestly... I don't know how I feel about the the Evil Queen Part Two coming back in the Enchanted Forest. Like I was into it. That was one thing I wasn't into. I understand I that it like, was she could let, she could sacrifice herself though. Right. Like I mean, I I got it, but at the same time, I was kind of like, okay, like I was kind of feeling Zelina's vibe where she was like rolling her eyes, like, all right, you know, stop checking yourself out and let let like <laughs> we got more important things to worry about. Let's go. I did yeah. like that they revisited the beanstalk. I liked, I and I know your feelings about Captain Swan, but I did like the idea that they, that Hook was like, you know, we started this on the beanstalk, and I'm going to finish it on the beanstalk. Like, I, I kind of, it was a weird way to go full circle because it wasn't super obvious, but I liked that they did that. Um, and that actually was part of what we saw film was um, the bit with, um, Snow White trying, Snow White finding Hook in the uh, in the beanstalk. He's like, "Hello, mummy." Um, and it's funny because you know Colin had broke his foot dancing for, or practicing for the musical, so he had his hands his boot on, and they had to get him a tarp to lie down on. And and the thing is, though, is so it was. Oh God, what time was it? It was like 5 a.m. in the morning, and it's pouring ass rain. You can't tell from the filming, but it was pouring rain right in the, in the woods and, and it's so funny because the sports preserve is in the middle like there's literally a metro station like a block away from it but you can't tell that you're in the middle of downtown vancouver when you're in this park so and so he was pouring ass rain and poor colin in his boot and then we see colin and Ginny arrive and then there was a third person and you couldn't see because she had her hood up and there was like mad because no one, the way they were filming, the way they had a standing, you really couldn't see very well. Like you could see the beanstalk and it was really kind of like, just like 10 feet of it. And the rest like wasn't there. Um, so that was really neat to kind of just see that, but you couldn't see who it was and you couldn't see, hear any dialogue other than when Jenny was shouting, uh, David, David. So we heard that for like four hours of her just shouting that. And, um, so there was like this like wild speculation going on for those hours when we were out in the rain, like of who it is on the hood. And we're like, well, how tall is she next to Ginny? Because she could be Violet, but we don't know because we could only see the color of her hood. And we're like, well, clearly they're in fairy tale land. So what if it's that and other? And so finally we found out it was Karen David who plays Jasmine. It was so funny. Like the last, like when they were leaving, we saw her and it was, it was so funny because we're like, oh, mystery solved. But wait. How does that work out? And it was it was it was just very funny. Also, there was a porta potty off to our side there. We uh, dubbed the enchanted commode, so that was a thing. But it was it was kind of neat to 
to know how that kind of fell into place because there was much speculation happening because obviously when they film you're like five episodes uh, left to go before you see what they actually, you know, are making to put on screen. So we had no idea like any of whatever was happening was going to happen. But yeah, I really do like that they revisited the Beanstalk and it made sense. And I like, I know, because I mean, we always kind of say it's so easy to, to jump realms, but Zelina had a fair point. She, she's like, we can't use magic to get to a land without magic because the curse, because that was the thing is like when the curse broke in, at the end of season one, it became so easy to realm hop because they brought magic back. So, you know, it was kind of like having two ends of a tunnel. It's easier to go through rather than punching through and making your own end. So I, I kind of like that they kind of reestablished that and had to use the, uh, the bean as well. It's interesting. You bring up Captain Swan. Hmm. I hate I hate what I'm about to say. Uh huh. I like the speech. What was that? I'm sorry. Can you say it again for the back of the class? I liked the speech, you bitch. So, guys, we have a minute and a half left on this podcast. No joke. I'm not using this as a way to weasel out of talking about this more, I promise. But we are going to continue our discussion of the show here in just a moment. You are going to have to go back onto our page, and I'm going to have to share out some links because I didn't realize this was going to happen and tweet deck. So, yeah. Um, So, in about a minute, we're going to get off here and continue on. So keep that in mind. (laughs) And we'll be back in just a few seconds with the second part of our finale reviewed. Indeed. (laughs) 